Hello homies, Eugenie here. I wanted to say sorry for having a bit of a gap between the episodes. If you are an avid podcast listener like myself, it's nothing worse than when your favourite show takes a few, bre- a few weeks break and you're not able to get your episodes in. I just want to say that uh, I am trying to get the episodes out as I can, so I'm not going to make any promises on how often they're going to come out. If I have a good stretch of a lot of guests that I can interview, you will see a lot of podcasts coming out. If not, there will be a bit of a gap. So I have an incredibly busy practice and I'm not in a position where I can really uh, promise that there will be weekly episodes. Um, The other thing is at the moment, I have got eight or nine episodes lined up that I need to edit and they will just come out as soon as they're ready. So I'm not going to make you wait a week to listen to these. As soon as they're done, I'm not going to upload them. So you may see two or three coming out at a time. Then there may be a gap. I'm sorry for that, but that's just the way that I'm going to operate this podcast. I'm not going to put any pressure on myself and I'm just going to try and get them out there um, as often as I can. Now, I also want to share a bit of a personal experience with you. So today's guest is the lovely Dana Ehrman and I'll do a uh, introduction to him very shortly. But I just want to tell you a a bit of a personal story of something that's happened with me. So straight after my interview with Dana Ullman, my husband took me straight to hospital. (laughs) I'd had a couple of days of intense abdominal cramps and a CT scan then confirmed that I had appendicitis. And unfortunately, I had left it a little bit too long. And by the time I had the surgery the next morning, the appendix had ruptured. So the operation was a lot worse than um, or a lot more intense than what it would have been if I'd gone in in earlier. But uh, there was a lot of cleaning out to be done. But it was such an incredible experience, um, really, really amazing learning experience for me. So for one, as I was lying there, coming straight out of the um, surgery, I took Nux Vomica straight away, which is a homeopathic remedy that's great for clearing uh, drugs out of your system. So just to try and get that anesthetic out of my system as quickly as possible. The next remedies that I took were Arnica and Calendula. And uh, normally I would have used just Arnica after operation, but actually in my second podcast with uh, Jerry Dendrinos, he was the one that mentioned that he actually prefers Calendula post-surgery because it's really good for all sorts of wounds, whether it's internal uh, or external. So uh, I used some Calendula and I was using that two pillules, alternating with Arnica, you know, every half an hour pretty much for the next uh, three days or so. I just kept on using those remedies. I also used a remedy that's good for, um, that's actually made from general anesthetic to help clear the general anesthetic out of my system. Luckily, I wasn't nauseous at all afterwards, so that was great. But I actually found that my memory was, my short-term memory was really shocking after the operation. And um, the other thing was my dreams were so crazy. So it was really great to take this remedy, clear those effects from my system. And I could really notice the change that had on my body. Um, also, because I had a CT scan, which you know I'm very well aware of the risks of all of these, um, I used the homeopathic remedy made from X-ray to help clear the X-ray effects from my system. So, as I was lying in hospital um, and chatting with the nurses, you know I could so clearly see a world where we have a homeopath doing the rounds on the wards with the nurses. So as soon as a person comes out of their surgery, they're given Arnica straight away. They're given their Nux Vomica. You know, it was so clear in my mind. I could just feel it with every cell in my being. There is such 
a place for natural medicine alongside conventional medicine in our hospitals uh, everywhere, really, but especially in the hospitals. There's so much great work that we can do to help people heal faster and in turn actually lighten that load on the medical system. The lady that was lying next to me had a bowel obstruction and every morning the pharmacist would come and do the rounds and check everyone's records and you know make sure that their medications are not interacting. And as he was reading off her medications, you know, she was on about 15 different medications. And I'm thinking, if we had a homeopath alongside this pharmacist, there are some of those medications that we would be able to uh, take off her script and replace them with homeopathics and then not have to worry about drug indications or the effect that this is having on her liver for having to try and clear all of this out. So... I completely digress with this, but I I felt that I wanted to add this little intro to the start of the episode. Um, Yeah, just to let you know, I've been a little bit quiet. I'm sorry. (laughs) And also just to let you know that in this episode, Dana and myself talk about how we can use the homeopathics alongside the pharmaceutical medication. And so the irony of me after this episode, then heading straight to hospital to go and get surgery was not lost on me. It actually if anything gave me hope, it made me see what is possible. And uh, I hope you will hold this dream and this vision with me in your minds and uh, trust that we will get to a point in the next few years where we c- we are offered homeopathic medicine alongside our pharmaceutical medicine from our doctors in the hospitals, you know, wherever we go. So I do believe that it's a reality. Now, with that out of sight, I need your help. We are at the brink of a homeopathic revolution, and you can really help to make this a reality. Please can you rate my podcast on Apple or Spotify, and please share it with your family and friends. You can also like and follow me on Facebook and on Instagram so we can stay in touch. You'll find me as Eugenie Kruger Homeopathy. And I also want to share something very exciting with you that I've been working on for six months. It is my new and improved Homeopathy at Home 30-minute free online course, which you can find on YouTube. It's perfect for anyone who's completely new to homeopathy and would like to learn the basics. Just type Eugenie Kruger Homeopathy into YouTube and you'll find the 30-minute course. And please, please, please share it with your family and friends and blast it across social media so we can really empower people to use this safe, effective, cheap, natural medicine. Now, today's guest, drumroll needs no introduction. It is the one and only Dana Ullman. His website is a one-stop shop called homeopathic.com. It really needs to be the first stop for anyone interested in homeopathy. You can find some incredible information on there and his blogs are a rich source of really, really valuable information. Dana mentioned something very important in the podcast, which I just wanted to make take a moment to highlight. It is called Google Alerts. Now, if you search on your browser for Google Alerts, it will come up and then you can use the search term homeopathy or homeopathic or remedies. And then if anything comes up in the media around this topic, you will be alerted and you'll be able to go and respond to any skeptic attacks there might be on homeopathy. So that was a long intro, guys. Let's jump right into the episode. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave your comments on my Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now your host, Eugenie Kruger. 
Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we speak with the one and only homeopathic living legend, Dana Ullman. Welcome, Dana. <laughs> legend in my own mind. <laughs> yeah, no, in mine too. So there's two of us. Um, it is my dream come true to have you on the show today. You have been passionately helping to make homeopathy accessible and understandable to the general public for many decades now. And your website, homeopathic.com, is a one-stop shop for all things homeopathy from your amazing blog, your newsletter, your bookstore, your e-courses, your webinars, and everything in between. And you've written several books as well. So we'll definitely go into those today because one of them, Everybody's Guide to Homeopathic Medicine, I have been recommending for 10 years. It has been my book that has always gone with me. And in my little homeopathy at home course that I teach, I always recommend your book because it's so succinctly written and anybody can self-prescribe using this wonderful book. But I wonder, can you tell us a little bit about how you first got into homeopathy? Sure, sure. Well, uh, I was an undergraduate at UC Berkeley here in Berkeley, California, and I come from a medical family. You know, my father was a pediatrician, and ironically or cosmically, he was also had a specialty in allergy. And that's a little bit cosmic because allergy uses small doses of whatever you're allergic to. And that's a homeopathic principle. In fact, one of the three doctors to found the American Academy of Allergy, the leading allergy medical organization, was a homeopathic doctor from right here in the Bay Area. Wow. And so... Uh, Homeopathy in the field of allergy are are sort of kissing cousins, even though many people in the field of allergy today don't know that connection. And so I went to school at Berkeley with not an interest in medicine at all. I I was interested in other subjects. But what happened as a junior, uh, I was volunteering at what was called the Berkeley Free Clinic, which is a a clinic offering free care, but also that offered psychological counseling and phone service for people that are freaking out or just need someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I was working in there and and someone had put a little poster on the board saying a study group in homeopathy forming. And I was exploring different alternatives. I heard about that. I said, I'll check it out. And it was started by a, a medical doctor from Stanford and of all things, a male midwife. Wow. And um, and then it became three doctors, two nurses, a dentist, uh, two yoga teachers, and several lay people. And we met weekly over a five-year period of time. And we all began studying homeopathy. And then I ended up being uh, chosen by the California State Medical Board to be arrested for practicing medicine without a license. And that's a whole other story. And that was really an honor. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it, it was a complaint that was uh, charged against Jesus Christ. So I, I thought I was in pretty good company, a nice <laughs> Jewish boy, you know, getting also getting arrested for practicing medicine without a license. And we ended up winning the court case, by the way, because we differentiated that I wasn't providing medical care. I was providing health care because at no time did I diagnose or treat any disease. I treated a person and um, they couldn't say that was practicing medicine. So after we won the case, I did decide to go back to graduate school. I went to graduate school in public health at UC Berkeley's famous school of public health. And needless to say, I'm very proud of that training in public health 
And I'm really disappointed at what's happened with public health over the last several years, where we have become uh, basically brown nosers to big pharma. Mm. And that was not our training. Our training was recognizing uh, other non-medical methods to uh, to sustain social health. Mm. And so, yeah, there were a couple of decades in my life that I wasn't practicing, but instead I was writing what ultimately became 10 books. And what also I w- was working with a publishing company here in Berkeley that was publishing books. And we ended up co-publishing 40 books together uh, by leaders in homeopathy. And I had myself written one book with a, a medical do- doctor that was everybody's guide to homeopathy. And it's a guidebook to not only using homeopathic medicines, but because of his medical training, he thought, he and I both thought it was important for moms and dads and individuals to know at what point is it important for you to go to a doctor? Because in fact, it's amazing, but the vast majority of times, it's not medically necessary to go to a doctor. I mean, we do just to get things checked out, but you know, the bottom line is in the meantime, you can use alternative methods. And for those of us that remember and give honor to the father of medicine, uh, the uh, famous Hippocrates, his most famous words were first do no harm. And, and I think doctors and sometimes parents forget the definition of that word first because they go to doctors first and then think of all safer methods next, which is all crazy. It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. So the, the bottom line here is, is, is that we created guidelines in this book, whether it be in the chapter on fever or the chapter on allergies or the chapter on headaches. At what point should you go to your, your condition is so serious, you should go to an emergency room. And, and then that's one level. And then there's another level. Well, you don't need to go to an emergency room right now, but within a 24-hour period, soon you should go seek some type of health or medical care. And then there's the third level is, well, you don't need to go today. You even don't need to go tomorrow. You should just get it checked out soon. Mm. And and that provides a lot of relief for people. And to be honest, if we really wanted to reduce our overall health and medical care budgets in our country, our government should provide real detailed guidelines for when it's appropriate to go to doctors and when it isn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody's guide does in addition to then describing what medicines to use. I think that's why I love it so much because it has all, you know, it's a really, it's a very holistic book because you do have that baseline of, okay, these are some things to look out for. So as a new mother 10 years ago, it gave me so much reassurance, just, you know, having all this backup. So love it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many moms and women in general have told me that they have my, that book by their bedside. Yep. <laughs> and I says, is that on top or below a lady Chatterley's lover? But, uh, you know, I've never got the answer on that one, but uh, I, I've really been, and in fact, I've also met uh, younger people who said that they grew up on homeopathy and their, Aww. their parents used my book. So, which is really a, it is really heartening. So then after that, I, I ended up writing a book specifically on children and being my father being a pediatrician, I had him review the book and, you know, he gave me some good guidelines uh, and advice. And my own sister who had gotten ill in her younger days 
so much so that she went to five different specialists and had exploratory surgery twice without any answer. And so I finally encouraged her to try homeopathy and I gave her a remedy. And then I called her a month later and she says, oh, that thing went away on its own. (laughs) And that really impressed my father, actually, because here was his own daughter thinking that it was a it didn't have anything to do with the homeopathic medicine, but it disappeared within one month of me giving it to her that she had for two years. Amazing coincidence. Now, mind you, she finally realized her own obstinacy. And, you know, she has since, you know, and her family have used homeopathy a lot. But um, uh, and so ultimately, I've written different books at different times. And the most recent one is one that I find um, the most compelling. And it's a book called The Homeopathic Revolution which subtitle is Why Famous People and Cultural Heroes Chose Homeopathy. And I was honored that the physician to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II wrote the foreword to the book, and he had never written a foreword to any other book on homeopathy. But this one deserved it because this was a really well-researched review of the most famous people over the last 200 years and what they said and did with homeopathy. So I I, I uncovered the stories of 11 American presidents and then heads of state of, you know, a dozen other countries from England to Germany to India and Mexico and Pakistan and, you know, all over. Um, And then, of course, different royalty, but not just British royalty, royalty from all over the world. But then I also uncovered some amazing stories of the most respected physicians and scientists. The longest story in the whole book is of Charles Darwin. Wow. Um, That's right. Uh, And then you you mentioned before we even started that just today in my my website at homeopathic.com, I wrote a blog about famous Nobel Prize winners. Mm, That's amazing. About homeopathy. And the very first story is the first scientist that won the Nobel Prize in medicine. And he won the Nobel Prize for discovering the tetanus and the diphtheria of vaccines. And he said he got the idea from homeopathy. So, you know, and he said that he couldn't say that before he got the Nobel Prize. But now that he got the Nobel Prize, he could admit it. Uh, And and it's really an amazing statement. And um, and then also a present living uh, physician who discovered the AIDS virus, the French immunologist, Luc Montagné, who I've met on several different occasions. And there's a, some great information from him. Mm-hmm. And even Mother Teresa. Now, mm-hmm. Mother Teresa, I mean, if anyone deserves the Nobel Prize for, you know, for going into Calcutta and, and helping to heal and feed so many people. And at her clinic not only fed people but you know used conventional medicines and homeopathic medicines they were they were non-doctrinaire whatever worked Mm. and uh, you know uh, this is really what our attitude can and should be now one of the important historical facts that people out there might benefit from knowing is homeopathy came exceedingly popular in the 19th century and the number one reason why was as it was particularly effective in the, during the infectious disease epidemics of that era. 
I'm talking about cholera, typhoid fever, yellow fever, scarlet fever, pneumonias, influenza. These make COVID look like mild mm. sniffles <laughs> that killed large numbers of people. And all I can tell you is four different popes in the 19th century gave the highest award that a pope can give to a non-clergy person to homeopathic doctors because of their good work in treating uh, people who are suffering from infectious disease pandemics. And I mean, I'm sorry, uh, once you hear that, by the way, uh, yes, uh, I'm very knowledgeable of the scientific research on homeopathy. And I'll talk a little bit later about one of my new eBooks that I that I wrote, which gives reference to 400 studies published in peer-reviewed medical journals. Wow. And I'm so tired of, of doctors and the media saying that there's no research on homeopathy. Well, if you close your eyes, you're right. You will never see research. Uh, and, and so anytime you hear anyone say that, you simply know that that person has a different agenda. And the agenda isn't the truth. It's it's really misinformation. And, and sadly, for those of us that are hearing a lot of the media today and, and the misinformation that's going on, uh, and, and the reason why big media is censoring so much of this information is to protect the big, their biggest advertisers. Mm. I'm sorry, I, I wish it were different, but you know, it, it, it really is sad. Mm. Um, so, you know, this ebook, which is called Evidence-Based Homeopathic Family Medicine, is now grown to be 600 pages in an ebook. Now, that's an Acrobat file, and Acrobat is a file that anyone can download for free. Mm. And, and you can purchase this ebook. And the great thing about ebooks is there's no shipping costs. Mm-hmm. And that's important because right now, between at least he, at the beginning of 2022, if someone listens to this at some future time, it mm-hmm. might not be true. But there's a shipping crisis between the United States and New Zealand and Australia. Mm. You can't ship books by mail anymore, mm. except if it goes by express. And that can be $100 just for a relatively small package. Mm. And so ebooks don't cost any shipping charge. And what every, every evidence-based homeopathic family medicine is, has a really solid detailed information that explains homeopathy. Mm. Then it has chapter, over 100 chapters on different diseases. And it tells you what homeopaths do to treat that disease. Now, there's no one remedy. Uh, In fact, I list usually 10 to 20 different remedies. And I talk about each of the different symptoms that are affiliated with each of the remedies. Uh, And then about 15% of the conditions, I don't list any remedies. Because when you're dealing with cancer and you're dealing with heart disease and you're dealing with these more complex chronic diseases, there's too many remedies to think about, and you're not wanting people to try and treat themselves anyway. Uh, but in addition to all this helpful information, I also provide reference to, description of, and then even links to the 400 studies published in peer-reviewed medical journals. So that if you're a serious advocate of homeopathy, you can look at the chapter on ADD, for instance, and that's what's called ADD slash ADHD, because those are part of this different parts of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes reference to the study in the European Journal of Pediatrics. 
reference. It makes reference to other studies. Wow. It talks about some of the remedies that were used. And so one, you can use this to tell your, your other family members that may be skeptical of homeopathy. Um, and I don't have any a problem with anyone being skeptical, but there's good skeptics and there's bad skeptics. There's good skeptics who say, well, I just don't know. I mean, what's worse is people say, I know there's no research. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like you're you're saying you're ignorant and you're wanting to be ignorant. So you're right. I can't change that. Absolutely. So, um, and that, you regularly it, so. share that on your Facebook page as well. I've been following you for ages and um, I love how you share research from all over. I mean, Spain and Italy and India. And obviously right. there's you, you are the one homeopath that I really credit with really holding your hand on the research because you, right. you know, your YouTube. So people course, out there, make certain, don't try and befriend me on Facebook. I have a personal thing on Facebook. No, I mean, your business what page. What I also have is my business page, yeah, which is called Homeopathic Family Medicine with Dana Ullman. Mm -hmm. And there you'll see that I post a lot of good news. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And, and now, mind you, Facebook will not alert you to this good news They will, because every time I post something, it goes out to you know two or 5% of the people who are linked. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to captive form, you know, once a week or once a month, you should go to my site just to see what's new and mm -hmm. then scroll to see all the different. I only post a couple of things a week, so I don't inundate people. Mm -hmm. I just do the best of the best. Mm -hmm. But, you know, speaking of my ebook, uh, I had this ebook that I that's been growing for the last 10 years. And then about four years ago, I realized that this is the YouTube generation, that people not only want written material, they want a video. Mm -hmm. So I created an e-course called Learning to Use a Homeopathic Medicine Kit. And um, what that does is that has up to 80 15-minute videos. So they're all short. And, and so there'll be a, a chap, a, a, a thing on, on headaches, there'll be a thing on allergies, there'll be a thing on earaches and these different subjects. Mind you, the the first many videos explain homeopathy, and that's really important. Mm -hmm. And I also give information of, of, you know, how to store homeopathic medicines and, you know, how, how to dose homeopathic medicines. And each of these have a certain thing. And the nice thing about having uh, these 80 videos is you don't have to watch them all, but they're, in, they're accessible to you when you want them. Now, mind you, if you don't want 80, then you can choose this a selection that we have of 60, 40, 25, or 15. And each of them comes with the ebook. So you'll everyone gets that 600 plus page ebook. And once again, that's not something you have to read. You, you, what you do is it's like a, an Acrobat file that has a table of contents that's on the left hand side of the page. And you can then go to whatever chapter you want. And, and depending upon what's happening, or you can use the search mm -hmm. part if you want to look up the word earache, or if you want to do PMS or, mm -hmm. or arthritis, uh, you can find it. And the nice thing about e-course is, once again, there's no shipping charge. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're uh, down under, where shipping right now is a problem, this is a great way to access information. And all it takes is you to use a homeopathic medicine once so that your kid with the earache doesn't need a, a round of antibiotics. Mm. And that's more than worth it. Absolutely. More than worth it. 
you from everything from there is gravy because uh, the fact, not just the fact that your kid hasn't needed another round of antibiotics, mm-hmm. but then your kid's back in school, your kid is healthy. Um, and, and ultimately, in fact, when children get sick, a good, when they treat it in a healthy way, the child gets stronger, not weaker. And what's happening now is we are so mismanaging so many acute ailments, including COVID, that it's turning into long COVID. Mm. And one of the reasons why I think that's happening is I wrote an article about this subject too, because in, uh, I wrote an article in 2018, which was 100 years after the big flu pandemic of 1918. And what people don't know is that in 1917, one year before 1918, the drug aspirin went Mm. off patent. And aspirin was a wonder drug. It not only reduced pain, but it lowered fever. Mm. So the AMA thought this was such an important drug for people with a fever and the flu that they recommended 30 aspirin tablets a day. <gasps> 30. That's shocking. 30. And, and the year before and, this great and, outbreak. And the reason, and do you know what killed people during that pandemic? Mm. They had bleeding in their lungs. Oh now, what drug do we know that's, that causes bleeding? Yeah. It's aspirin. Mm. And so even today, they will not admit the culpability now, they didn't kill everybody there. I mean, this particular uh, virus was a particularly bad one, but the the AMA killed a lot of people. Hmm. And so even today, people aren't using aspirin, but they're using other types of fever suppressing drugs. And although they provide some short term benefit, they do. Hmm. Uh, the very fact you see, fever is the way our body learns how to uh, to deal with certain viruses and bacteria so that when we get reinfected, we know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So because people are not, not doing that, they're suppressing the body's own immunological response, they're getting reinfected. And then they're getting long COVID. Uh, you know, I'm not an advocate of steroids. I know some of our uh, people that are looking at alternatives to the conventional medicines. Uh, for COVID include steroids and some of their protocol that drives me a bit batty. Um, but, you know, I, I use home recommend the use of homeopathic medicines mm-hmm. as a way of strengthening a person's immune and defense system. Uh, because when you're dealing with the infectious disease, the conventional model is to attack the microbe. Mm-hmm. But the other method that historically has been used also, is to do something to strengthen the person's own constitution, to strengthen their own immune and defense system. Mm -hmm. So instead of attacking the microbe, you provide nourishment and augmentation of the body's own defenses. So the body is more capable and more resistant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a good scientific body of evidence. There's an impressive historical body of evidence. Uh, And then, what I do in my e-course, every single video begins with a story from history or the present day with a famous person and their connection to homeopathy. And um, 
Now, what does it take to be famous? It's usually the person is at the top of their of the game. I mean, they're incredible minds, incredible hearts, incredible accomplishments. And what do they need to do to get there? Mm. Now, I'm not saying that just because you do this, it gets you there. It just is one of the many things that help. And so what you want to do is create your own strategy for uh, operating in an optimal way and and to use safer methods first. Mm. And you, do, you don't even need to go to a doctor. Okay. Uh, at the same time, I mean, you know, I'm a big advocate for appropriate use of surgery. Mm-hmm. I'm a big advocate for the appropriate use of antibiotics. I'm a big advocate for what, whatever works as long as one explores and exhausts safer methods first. Mm, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, so I wonder if you're able that was to... was a long answer to your uh, question. Do you know what? You are such an incredibly captivating speaker. I was thinking, I hope he just keeps talking for half an hour so I can just sit here and take it all in because it's... I mean, you're, you're dimples, so amazing. Your dimples are out, by the way. I mean, you got your dimples <laughs> I know. My cheeks are hurting because I'm just like, your knowledge is so incredible. And what you're saying is so powerful. It's like there's just it's this one punchy thing after the next. I'm like, this is going to blow people's minds. I'm so excited. <laughs> but um, uh-huh. so I wonder, Dana, are you able to just maybe very lightly touch on the topic of homeopathy being talked about as nanomedicine? I know you were one of the first people to talk about that, I think, in 2006 you said 2003 2006 and um so we don't obviously this podcast is for the general public but i like to give them little things to explore i like to have their interests perk up now and again and go oh this isn't something else i didn't know about so maybe you can lightly touch on some of the research that's come up maybe with iris bell and and how homeopathy is now being thought about as potentially nanomedicine sure well first of all you know the term nanomedicine and nanopharmacology are really new. The very first time the word nanopharmacology was used in a scientific journal, a leading scientific journel, was in 2006. Mm-hmm. Only by literally you. <laughs> 15 years ago. By yeah. me, that's right. Uh, and by uh, in, in a very respected scientific journal called FASIB, which is the Federation of uh, Experimental Biologists, And the editor was very antagonistic to homeopathy. And he wrote an editorial attacking homeopathy. And he mentioned my name specifically uh, because this was at a time that there was some anthrax scares. And uh, the drugs that some doctors were recommending that people take as a preventive were so dangerous that I, I thought that people should try and avoid taking such dangerous drugs. Mm. And um, so once he attacked me, um, you often get a, 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 to respond and they'll publish a short response. So my response was, let's have a serious discussion on homeopathy and nanopharmacology. And you see, I've always tried to describe homeopathy in a user-friendly manner. Mm. And I've always tried to ho- describe homeopathy in a modern, if not fu- futuristic manner. Mm. In fact, way back in 1988, I wrote a book called Discovering Homeopathy Medicine for the 21st Century, 
which is a sort of a silly title today. <laughs> but but uh, but in 1988, that was the distant future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, living and that book actually uh, a different physician to the Queen of England wrote the foreword to that. Wow. I remember in 1999 when our president was uh, Bill Clinton, they had a scientific um, committee that was making predictions about the future. And they were saying that the field of nanotechnologies and the discoveries that were going to happen in that arena were going to supersede Mm. all the other revolutions that we've ever previously considered. And uh, I agreed with them. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, there's some that they still don't even have any inkling uh, of. And right now, if you were to do uh, something called a Google Alerts, Mm -hmm. we were talking about this beforehand, but if you have any favorite subject, homeopathy or any other subject, even if you want to follow some famous person, you can go to what's called Google Alerts. If you just do a Google under Google Alerts, you can then um, sign up and Google will send you daily or weekly emails telling you which websites, which uh, have had stories on that particular subject. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do a Google Alerts under the word homeopathy and homeopathic under my own name, just out of curiosity, <laughs> and then under the words nanopharmacology. And you won't believe how much, you know, stuff is going on around that. And in fact, you know, it's ultimately a multi, multi-billion dollar field that all types of pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical companies are exploring nano doses. So I describe homeopathy as the original nanopharmacology. And part of the research that Iris Bell and others have done, and Iris is an MD, PhD, Wow. both from Stanford University. She's at the University of Arizona. And she has written some of the most incredibly well-written technological technological and uh, reviews of homeopathy as a, a nanomedicine. Mm. And, you know, I've echoed on that and I've I, I written the, uh, the newest summary of that. And if you want to Google my name, Dana Ullman, and the, the name of the journal is Dose Response. You'll see this article, half of which you will be able to understand, and half of it will be sort of technical. So, you know, read whatever you can understand, because there's some really juicy stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one study that really is remarkable, and it was published in a really respected conventional scientific journal. Um, and this journal is published by the American uh, uh, chemistry society, which is not exactly an alternative organization. And it was a group of scientists that found that they took eight, uh, six different metals, gold, silver, copper, tin, zinc, and platinum. And they diluted them one to a hundred, six times, 30 times, and 200 times. And then they used three different types of spectroscopy, which is the, this modern technological way to look at nanoparticles of these different substances. Mm. And they are able to find these nanoparticles of these original metals, uh, even after they dilute it one to 100, 200 times. Mm. And they went, went on to explain it in a relatively simple and logical way. This is that when you take 
any substance, plant, mineral, animal, or chemical, and you put it in a glass test tube, mm. and then you dilute it in water. And in, in, in homeopathy and in our pharmacies, they use what's called a double distilled water. Mm. So they distill it, which is a way of getting all the mineralization out of the water so that you're creating only H2O, not all the mineral content that's in it, uh, our, our normal water. But they distill it once and they distill it again. So it's the, what's called the highest grade of clean water. Mm. And you take that clean water and then you put that, a substance into the test tube and you vigorously shake it 40 times. It's the way, the, the way they make a medicine. That substance will, of course, blanch against the side of that test tube. And it will cause little tiny fragments of silica to fall off the glass walls and infiltrate the water. And in fact, other research has found that there's six parts per million of silica fragments that's floating in the water. Mm. Then whatever you're making into a medicine, because of the turbulence you're creating in that test tube is pushed into the silica fragments. So then when you dump out 99% of the water, a lot of these fragments just cling to the glass walls. And then you do it again and again and again and again. And these fragments end up then breaking up into smaller and smaller and smaller units. Mm -hmm. And then because of the turbulence of the water, it's, it's the same way something, the way something gets magnetized is you have a metal and then you uh, commit motion to uh, around it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and or you take another piece of metal that has magnetized and, and that creates, uh, uh, helps to create a magnetic field. Um, and so these particles get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And they not only then have a particulate matter, in fact, conventional scientific research on gold has actually found that when you break gold into these smaller and smaller and smaller units, gold becomes magnetic, that it actually has its own magnetic field. And in fact, my premise is eventually, and my prediction is, eventually we'll find that any substance can and will create its own magnetic field mm, mm. when it's introduced to water in this circular fashion. Mm. And these nanodoses, however, will not have any effect they will not have any effect unless mm -hmm. the symptoms of the sick person happen to be similar to the toxicology of what that substance causes. Mm -hmm. And then that person has a hypersensitivity to that substance. And just as the way a vaccine might vaccinate against a specific pathology, because this medicine is most similar to your own resident field, it creates an immunological reaction to your own defenses. Mm. So, you know, I've actually mentioned this description to some serious skeptics. And they step back and, and they still look for some other reason to not... <laughs> dig on homeopathy. Don't get me wrong. These skeptics are wiggle worms that, that they're, and, and, you know, they, they, 
Yeah, I go to their websites and commonly will question things they say about homeopathy. And then I'll have, I'll be debating 40 people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like Sir Sir Lancelot, you know. Uh, um, yeah, you are the one but, person I will not go and debate because you have got so much knowledge on homeopathy and the history of it as well. And I wish people would just learn from history. You know, why why do we keep on having to repeat the same mistakes? But then yeah, from yeah, history, you know, going back into the future is, you know, as we're sitting here, I can see 50 years from now or hopefully just 10 or 20 years from now, people listening to this podcast saying, Oh, now we already know that there is this energetic field around all these substances. And yes, it does generate that response in the body. Oh, wow. They were so futuristic because what you're saying just resonates with every cell in my body. And I just really <laughs> hope science can catch up quick enough so that we can prevent the suffering that's happening at the moment, this needless suffering when homeopathy has so much to offer. Yeah. Well, we can and will expect, and I, I, I have to predict this too, that the forces of big pharma, uh, will be resistant to this mm. because um, they make so much money mm. and they employ so many people and, and they now own so much media mm. with their advertisement that, that uh, you, I'm just saying you don't always expect big media to catch up here. Mm. This is something that you have to do sometimes on your own with your own group of people, with your own uh network of people and um and no matter what people say you know just just Mm. champion on well we see the evidence in our family every single day and with the hundreds of mothers that i work with so it's it's easy to do (laughs) yeah i know in my practice and of course i see i I only see patients now on zoom and skype Mm -hmm. so i can see people all over the world and what's so great is every day in my practice i don't cure everyone no one does Mm -hmm. But every day there's another miracle. Mm. There's just another amazing progress. And, and mind you, there's ebb and flow because there's progress. And then sometimes the person comes back. But that's what mm. provides evidence that homeopathy works because you can then prescribe a higher potency of it. And then the person goes further again. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's it, it, every single day of my practice. Um, and I should tell you that for a couple of decades, I didn't practice. So when I went back into practice, I I said, so this is what I've been advocating all these years. And it was such a pleasure to go back into practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, so see the results for yourself. Yeah. So, Dana, maybe we can finish off on what are your hopes and dreams for homeopathy into the future? Whoa. <laughs> well, you know, I've always been an optimist about homeopathy and I I I. I I always assume that something will happen that will take us to the other level. Mm. And despite the resistance, uh, we, we stand on incredibly large and broad shoulders of the history of the people before us, not just homeopaths, but homeopathic patients Mm. who um, have really provided such great contributions to the world. So I am particularly hopeful for new mums. There's a group of of mothers in Texas, United States, who've really taken a real big passion to homeopathy. And, and, you know, I believe that mothers are going to change the world before scientists do. Mm, I agree. And so, um, you know, your work, 
yeah, educating moms is just so so critical for that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I invite people to my website at homeopathic.com. I invite people to face my Facebook page at Homeopathic Family Medicine with Dana Ullman. Um, I invite people to my Twitter account. Uh, I'm called Homeopathic Dana there. Um, You're more tech savvy than me, Dana. I don't even have a Twitter account. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Well, you don't don't need a Twitter account to even (laughs) just see what other people are doing. Yeah. But so, you know, the whole idea is what I try and do is be Dana, a homeopathic seed. Mm-hmm. where uh, I provide seeds of information so that people can take it home and grow their own, mm-hmm. grow their own knowledge, grow their own experience. Um, and so that you can see the miracles that homeopathy provides. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for today, Dana. And I just want to say to all our listeners, go to homeopathic.com. Go have a look there. You will lose yourself in there for hours and hours. There is so much incredible information. Thank you so much for all your work, Dana. You are a living legend and it's such a privilege to get to speak with you today. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Peace out.